Hi, I'm Amy Porter. Some of you know me as a flutist and a classical musician, others as a professor, and some of you know me as a publisher and arranger. I'm a stepmom, I'm a business owner, and I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. And this is my podcast. My core mission as an entrepreneur is to appreciate what I have around me. And then I try and see as clearly as possible how I can help. So let's talk. Let's share information. Let's laugh and sometimes cry over the things that we have to work through in life and in music, in business and family and relationships. Come on into my Porter Flute pod. And here we go with our first podcast, Porter Flute Pod. Welcome in. And we are not alone. Straight up, let's give credit to Justine Sedke and AJ Tomasetti for setting all this energy in motion. We are going to dedicate episode one to Ryan, who was on his way to Grand Rapids with the U.S. Army Reserve. Ryan is part of my flute studio at Michigan, and we want him to be safe. So, Thank you for serving us in in our country, and um, we will get you those lessons later on this year. So let's think of Ryan in our first episode. And hey, enjoy this Lowell Lieberman out of the eight pieces, number four. Let's put a timestamp on it. I'm sitting in the middle of a pandemic and we're all doing all we can for ourselves to survive very human warfare, the humans against the virus. So here I am, I'm home. I'm wearing my mask when I go to the grocery store and I'm sheltering in place. So I thought I'd share some musical thoughts and stories and maybe take you away a little bit into topics that could help you during this time. It's a little therapeutic. So here we go with episode one, and I'm going to pepper it with some pieces from Lowell Lieberman's Eight Pieces. I have a vault of, of recorded music that I hide. If it's not incredibly perfect, I don't let it out of my vault. So I'll go in and just play a few little bars for you from my uh, archives. So here we go. Musical Fear and the Great Unknown. The unknown, pandemic. The unknown, future. The unknown, health. The unknown, pretty much everything, right? So when we can put the worry thoughts away and look at what we do have and be grateful, we can start right now to create a renaissance. So historically, the renaissance has brought an incredible attention to arts and music, the creative mind. And right now we have performing arts technology. Performing arts technology is a host like no other to you right now. And how will we use it? So I think our renaissance is upon us. One of my first concerns when all this happened, when we were teaching remotely and we were meeting remotely and we were quite frankly 
dreaming remotely, we were realizing that we were inundated with apps. And so a great fear of mine was that my students would be overwhelmed with all the apps. So there's apps for meetings. So I encouraged them to get to know the settings. There are apps for learning music. So we have, you know, lots of resources out there. Everyone jumping online to give uh, tips and tricks and journals. There's apps for listening. We have apps for teaching. We have YouTube and Vimeo channel. And if you don't have that, that is a must. So we have all these ways to give back. And if you are in a fearful, shy mode, then the best way out or through or over that fear is helping others. You know, I'm confident that the arts will bring us more together than we've ever, ever been. We're finally sitting looking at each other and we're trying to be healthy and we're all of a sudden doing these incredibly human things and we're saving our planet at the same time, but we need to all be healers. So if you can take the musical fear and take it out of the great unknown, music is your love. Music is your life. And even if it's not, it's going to save us. So I would say, make sure you're Musical fear is grounded in reality. No one can be you. So if you've got some great musical gifts, please use them now. There are lots of triggers that make us fear music, including the opening A of the orchestra or the tuning of the band or just even getting ready for a concert. I call them flutterbys, those nerves that happen when you haven't even gone on stage. Well, so listen, I think that performance, fear, and anxiety is a way of thinking that only comes up against a brick wall every time. If you want to think about getting over, I know there's no easy button to push, but getting over or through or losing the fear and letting it dissipate like fine grains of sand, you have to have some practice techniques. So let's think about practice techniques. So I'd say the first one would be identify your triggers. (laughs) If it's the A of the orchestra, then say, I'm going to take four breaths in during this A when I'm not supposed to be tuning because maybe the brass are tuning or the strings are tuning. And then I'm going to put out eight to 12 counts in my exhale. So the breath, then breathe in through the nose again, four four counts and breathe out the, the syllable F like that. Eight to 12 counts. You always want to double the out and then take in four counts through your nose and then breathe out saying SH. So you don't want to do this backstage really because people might think you're shushing them, but I think SH is a really great thing to 
get that air resistance. Think about it this way. Your heart rate is super high, right? And the audience's heart rate is lower. So your heart rate is going to be, you know, you can't identify with them, the, the audience, if your heart rate is super high. So you want to bring your heart rate down. Runners know how to do this and great athletes know how to do this. In my personal experience getting over fear for myself, I think the biggest thing was just getting up and doing it over and over and over again. I practiced, but I didn't practice to perform sometimes. And I would go through some competitions and not come out the other side very successful. So yes, I have lost many. What's But what's losing, right? Because I gained the experience and I gained the practice like no other. So I think what makes the fear more approachable is that you identify it. You say, hey, fear. Hey, here you are. And I'm going to take care of you now. I'm going to breathe you out. You could even give it a shape. You could give fear a color. You could say, this musical fear feels like a steel silver block in my heart. And then you could take your own um, hook line and just draw that big steel square out of your heart, rectangle out of your heart. Or if it's in your brain and it's like a bright orange triangle, then you just push that triangle through your head out into the, out into the atmosphere and get it out it's identifying your fear that will get you past being able to play because being able to play quite literally means you have to breathe and your heart rate has to be down a little bit. You have to swallow and articulate and you're going to get spit if your jaw is moving around and you're going to have sweat on your fingers where you need them most and you're going to have sweat on your chin and the the flute or the, the instrument is going to, um, move all over the place. If you're uh, a business person or a speaker or um, anybody who has to deliver in terms of uh, your voice, I know from experience, usually I'm grabbing the lectern as if it's going to help me stand. But once I breathe, I know that my body can help me stand and I become much more genuine. So I would say, understand your fears, get through it with the breath and keep it a color and a shape and kick it out. Let's try that.
Let me tell you a story about a time that I could have been nervous, but I wasn't. And here's why. I received a wonderful opportunity at Tanglewood Music Center in 1987. It was New Music Week and the Fellowship Orchestra was performing a lot and I had a wonderful opportunity to play a short work, a small concerto by Bruce Saylor and it was called Turns and Mordens and it was so fun and I wore a long white dress and I still have pictures and got a great review in the Boston Globe. I could not have been happier. I'll never forget afterwards being in the dressing room and swabbing out my instrument and someone came running back and said, Amy Porter, Leonard Bernstein is in the audience and he wants to meet you and he's coming back right now. And then a second person behind him was not running far behind saying, Leonard Bernstein is coming to find you. And then the third person was Leonard Bernstein. And I still probably had my flute in my left hand and my swab in my right hand. And I'll never forget not knowing what to do. Like, do I put things down? And he he hugged me and he was accompanied by his big coat, you know. And he was so generous and kind. And I'm just thinking, this is the greatest moment of my life. I didn't know he was out there. And here I was. There were no flashing bulbs, no parents there. You know, it was just an incredible moment where Bernstein was in the audience of my concerto. I called it my concerto. Of course, it was for the concert. But after that, I played for him several more times, and he was so supportive. Okay, let's rewind. You guys, let's rewind. If I had known Leonard Bernstein was in the audience when I was a 21-year-old, do you think I'd be nervous? Yeah, a little. I would have been trying to impress him. Like... Mr. Bernstein, you know, my gosh. No, we don't want to be knowing who's in the audience. So I had another concert like this. And I literally found out seconds before I walked on that James Taylor was in the balcony. So here I am with my partners, literally I have partners to take care of. This is chamber music. I have no business thinking, James Taylor's in the audience. You know, this is our product. This is our party. And I'm concentrating on my trio partners, Joao Luis and Juan Miguel Hernandez. And so I walked out and if I'm looking at my stand and I looked up into the right, there was James Taylor. So he's sitting there looking at Joao, not at me, James Taylor's a great guitarist. Joao is a great guitarist, and James Taylor knew it. I just had to tell myself that this was my party. This was my product. And just take my ego out of it and my fear. So if you take fear out of your expectations and who's there, it just becomes a great musical product. You can call your own and be happy with it. There's no fear. You know, think about the job you have to do. I could have been nervous a lot of times.
The eight pieces have the direction of carte blanche, which is pretty fearful for some people, like me. <laughs> freedom, don't give me freedom, give me structure. But Lowell says for the eight pieces for solo flute, or piccolo, or alto flute, or bass flute, that you can pick any one of the works and play it on any one of those four instruments. That's exhausting for some people. Don't give me that kind of freedom in music. That's too scary. So I was happy to just create the works that Lowell wrote and hear them in my own way. I just wanted to create my own story with Lowell's framework. So thanks for the eight pieces, Lowell. I met Lowell Lieberman in the 1980s at Juilliard. It was an incredible time to be there among amazing talent. And when he would write a work, we would pay attention. He had written a sonata for flute and piano for Paula Robeson, and I was entering the National Flute Association's Young Artist Competition. The application called for an American work, so I called up Lowell and said, hey, can I take your piece and program it on my recital for this competition? And he said, sure. And he proceeded to listen to it three times as I played it on various recitals throughout the city. That was New York City. So I went off to the competition in Minneapolis, and that performance probably is one of the most famous performances that I can remember. And the reason why it's so memorable is because people still come up to me and mention Lowell Lieberman's piece. It was 1990. That's how long ago it was when I played to a, a full ballroom, half of which emptied after I played the piece. And why did it empty? Because everyone ran to buy the piece. And I think Theodore Presser had seven copies. That day, I will never forget. I mean, I really felt like I, I gave my friend an opportunity to be heard and there was no fear. So if you have fear in music, try and get to know the composer. It doesn't matter if they're not alive anymore. I, I think that the fear dispels once you really make friends with the works that you play and the art that you want to create. There's no fear in music.
No one can take practice away from you. I think that's the number one thing that can dispel musical fear and the great unknown. Practicing is decision making. Practicing is learning form and technique and all the tools necessary. Practicing is a lot of fun when you bring to the table all that you have, your fear and your concern of losing something and comparing, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So get rid of all those things that you're coming up against and hitting the wall and use the tools that are healthy for you, like practice journals or even diaries. Practice journals are really great when you have a goal in mind, like a competition. Practice journals are great when you feel you need structure. Practice journals are great if you even use videos of your lessons and then comment on your own lessons. Don't just let your teacher comment. And for me, I get up in the morning and use something called a Start Today journal. It's Rachel Hollis's way of showing you how to be grateful. Sometimes I don't do it because I just need to plug back in and just listen. And then when I'm ready to write, I write. In the mornings, I take care of myself, and that dispels a lot of fear to get in front of a camera or a microphone like I am right now. If you're alone, I would encourage you to Zoom and acapella and get in front of the camera and meet with friends and play duets and learn excerpts together and just do a lot of, you know, performance-related activities so that when you are back on stage in front of people or you are feeling sweaty because you're in front of a camera, that it's a lot more friendly to you. I think friends can really, really help at this time. So don't fear being in front of the camera during this time when we're by ourselves. There are a lot more people out there listening that need everything that you have to offer.
Musical fear can stop right here, right now, when you just allow yourself to be you and to find the most beautiful things about what you have to offer. So let's go into the unknown together. Let's keep practicing. Let's keep talking. Let's keep smiling and looking at each other. And let's take care of those who need us. So who needs us now? The people that are sick. The people that are losing loved ones. The people who are alone. And people who are working every day to save our lives. Thanks for being here. I'm grateful for you. Find out more about Lowell Lieberman at lowellieberman.com. You can also purchase the eight pieces at Theodore Presser Publishing's website, presser.com, or at the music store of your choice. If you're up for hearing more, you can always visit my YouTube channel, which is at Porter Flute. I have two websites, one for students and one for presenters, and that would be porterflute.com and amyporter.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, and on Facebook, I'm Amy Porter Flutist. Thank you.